Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello, my friends, and welcome back to Catch Up with Louise McSharry. This is a podcast that aims to catch you up and keep you in the loop from the week's events. Even if you've been very busy or you just haven't been that clued in or maybe you just haven't had any interest really in dipping into what's going on in the world, that's absolutely fine. This is a judgment-free zone, my friends, um, and hopefully by the end of this hour together, you will feel a little bit more kind of up to date on where things are in the world. I hope you had a lovely week. Um, I actually had a pretty good one. I spent the weekend in Wexford um, with my kids and spending time with my parents, which I just feel very lucky to be able to have that time with my parents, um, to spend time with them in their house in Wexford and be beside the sea. It, it was just very wholesome and lovely, and uh, I feel very fortunate. Access to the sea, I feel like, is a real privilege and joy and just can make your life so much better um, and uh, I really love being beside it also my sister gave my I mean look my sister gave my mother I'm using air quotes an uni pizza oven for Christmas and I was like one that's an extremely generous present two that present is not for my mother <laughs> I was like, this is a present for you, but also for all of us because we'll all get to use it. So anyway, it had been sitting in the shed outside my parents' house in Wexford until a couple of weeks ago. And then I said, look, let's give it a go. So now the last couple of weekends I've been there, I have been trying to perfect my pizza dough and my uni pizza oven pizza making technique. And it's been quite interesting because I am not the food person in my family. My husband is an amazing cook and he is the person who's responsible for the majority of the food that's made in our house. He certainly is the like, you know, head chef, even if I'm cooking, it's at his direction. But now this has become my thing. I'm the pizza girl. And, you know, it's been an emotional roller coaster. I found the first week quite stressful. But now I feel like I'm on a path to success. If you have any secrets, please do send them my way. I would happily receive them. Otherwise, I went to see where the crawdads sing this week. I got to see a preview of the film, which is obviously based on the Delia Owens book. Um, Delia Owens, is that her name? I think it is. It stars Daisy Edgar-Jones, who, of course, played Marianne in Normal People. And that's how we all came to love her. And... Um, she may be popping up on the podcast soon, just saying. Um, but it was really nice to go and see the film. I was a bit nervous because I really, really loved that 
book. I loved it so, so much. But you know yourself, when you go to see a film that's based on a book, you just never really know how it's going to go. Um, you never really know whether or not you're going to love it or whether it's going to kind of you know, evoke the same kind of feelings that the book did, but I actually found it to be very successful. I very much enjoyed it um, and would recommend it. Um, but as I said, we'll be talking more about that next week. Anyway, let's get on with the catching up because we have to start with the news as we always do. Aoife Moore was there to take us through the events this week and I'm laughing already because let me just first apologize if you are in any way scientific, uh, if you work in science, if you have a passing interest in space, I really feel we let you down in our conversation about the images that came from NASA this week. Um, look, we did our very best. We're not good at everything, okay? And science is not it just, I'm just, I'm sorry, okay? Eva Moore, uh, technically between jobs, but soon to be political <laughs> correspondent with the Times. Model slash actress. <laughs> Good morning to you. So we've got a lot to talk about as always. And the first, I actually found this hilarious when I saw the the headline and the tweet, UK government to table no confidence vote on itself. Yeah, uh, the Brett... The Brits are never not at it. Okay, so the British government is going to table a confidence motion in itself after they've rejected a Labour motion that rejected... Well, directly criticise Boris Johnson. So Boris, as we know, also between jobs. Yes. <laughs> he, um, he has been ousted. Um, he has resigned. But he is the caretaker prime minister. What Labour wanted to do was table a motion of no confidence and try and bring down the government to force an election. Yeah. They wouldn't let Labour do that um, because it directly criticised, the, the wording of theirs directly criticised Boris Johnson. So they said, what we'll do is we'll table a motion of confidence in the government and so they're all going to vote on it it's it has been done in Ireland a couple of times but it's not something that's ever really done in Britain basically they're making them vote confidence in the government rather than no confidence right okay so they said it wasn't a I'll good I'll be tabling a vote of confidence myself <laughs> later on today I vote I do that for myself every day <laughs> um yeah so it's to force the... They've basically backed the Tories and their corner now that they have to vote confidence in themselves. Okay. There is concern that the Tories have lost a lot of people already. Yeah, how confident but, could they be? Yeah, I don't <laughs> think that they... I think they will be fine. I don't yeah. think you'll see an election. Yeah. But it is just this never-ending chaos of the British government. It's, it's almost as if when you elect a clown, you get a circus. <laughs> It's kind of a delight, to be honest. Yeah. I mean, from the outside, obviously, I realise that there are serious implications, but um, as something to talk about, it's certainly uh, a bit of a laugh. Um, now, not a laugh. Uh, this week was the 12th of July, obviously, mm-hmm. um, and I saw you and many other people tweeting about the bonfires, mm-hmm. which obviously have been a feature of the celebrations around the 12th of July uh, yeah. by unionists in Northern Ireland for a long time. Mm-hmm. But it seems like this year, more than ever, people are saying, hang on a second, this is not okay. This is something I have grown up with my entire life. Yeah. This is something that I've become really used to. You know, my housemate, me and Kate, were talking about this. She's from the North as well. We were shocked at how shocked southern people were because we were kind of saying well we see this every year yeah. you know from i've seen pictures of my murdered uncle on a bonfire i have seen my friends who ran for election for different parties their election posters on bonfires so so just to pause for a second if we accept then that there is a general lack of knowledge in the republic absolutely. of ireland oh, absolutely. about this stuff can you just explain yeah 
where the bonfires come so from. So the 12th of July celebrates, um, long story short, a Protestant king's victory over a Catholic king um, in 1690. Mm-hmm. The 11th night is the night before the 12th of the 12th. Um, is a day of culture. Uh, there's no doubt about it. You know, they, you have marching bands, they wear mm. uniforms, and they celebrate this um, battle. The 11th night is the night before when they build bonfires all over the north, um, some incredibly close to housing estates, usually in poverty-stricken housing estates, I would say, in loyalist communities. Um, with crates, they build huge pyres and they set them alight. Now, what they have done, and they have done this for years, is mm. what they then put Irish flags, pride flags. Now, this is not all the bonfires, mm. but it is a lot of them. Pictures of politicians they don't like. They put up effigies. This year, they had effigies of Naomi Long, who is the head of the Alliance Party, and the Justice Minister, Michelle O'Neill, who is the First Minister and head of Sinn Féin in the North, and Mary Lou MacDonald. They hung effigies of them from... The bonfires, there's a number of them that said they had racial epithets. They said they write K-A-T, which is um, kill all tags. So tag is a derogatory word for a Catholic. Mm. Every Catholic in the North knows what K-A-T means. Um, it is a way to intimidate your neighbours. Mm. The thing this year as well is that someone died. A young man fell from a pyre and died while he was building a bonfire. This is no longer an issue of culture. This is an issue of, like, first of all, safety. Mm. And I was reading, I have read so many reports this week of people who were there on the 11th and saying, tourists who were saying they were terrified. Yeah. Like, when you go and you watch the 12th celebrations in Belfast City Centre, it is a celebration. There is, like, amazing musical talent. There's dancing. They have, like, marching bands. I absolutely, you know, that is culture. The 11th night is intimidation of people, and it is incredibly dangerous. I'm I'm surprised that more people aren't hurt on the 11th, because when the pyre catches fire, it falls over. Yeah. And these are not in, like, big space out fields. A lot of them are in... Bent, densely fields, packed yeah. council estates and they're very like they're really high they're huge yeah yeah and like don't get me wrong i would also point out the uh the nationalist community also do this so our bonfire night is in august and the nationalist community are not innocent in this as well you will often see rangers tops union jacks names of people who maybe policemen who've been murdered we saw that before so it goes definitely does go both ways but i feel like this year there has been a different type of kind of hatefulness yeah that we always see but this year I do think it has been made it is worse yeah I mean what can you do about that is there anything and this is the thing the politicians in the north don't want to speak out about it as well but there is no place I really and genuinely believe that if there is racial epithets if there is a picture of a someone who has been murdered if there is a picture of politicians the bonfire should be stopped. Yeah. If you want to have a bonfire, fair enough, we can talk about having a bonfire, but that is hate. Yeah. If it was, the point was made continually, if it was black people, Jews, Muslims, they would not be allowed to have those bonfires and yeah. have those things on them. Yeah. Somebody needs to step up and say, this is no longer culture. Yeah. And it has to come from the unionist community. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, you know, things are changing. They are. There's no doubt about it. So who knows how that might develop over the next few years. Um, now, Stephen Donnelly this week said a report on the reality facing many women in Ireland in the context of abortion was heartbreaking. Yeah, it is. But they knew this was going to happen. Mm-hmm. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> I'm sorry, I, I set you up. Yeah. There. <laughs> full disclosure, one of the people, uh, one of the statistics, um, and this who traveled for a fetal fa- fatal abnormality, I know and care about one of those people, um, who was forced to travel. And they were told, the Irish government were told when they were making the abortion legislation that this would happen. So the way it works is it came out this week and last week there was new statistics that said, you know, that 58 women um, who sought abortions, there were 58 women who sought abortions for fatal fetal abnormality for a myriad of reasons. Um, But what they have found is that the restrictions to accessing abortion in Ireland is forcing women to travel um a lot to do is to do with the time period so it's 12 weeks is the cutoff which is quite short if because a lot of people might be 15 weeks before they realize that they had a had a fatal fetal abnormality um and you know we know all the things lack of access lack mm. of doctors who are performing abortions the three-day wait is pushing people over the limit so Stephen Donnelly, the Minister for Health, said, you know, it was heartbreaking and, you know, they don't want to see this happening. Um, I, the only good thing I would say is that the Safe Access Zones bill was implemented this week and it secures staff and women who are entering maternity hospitals from protesters and that they can, it's like a buffer zone, so that people who are, I'm going to use the words, aggressively praying outside mm. hospitals um there'll be a buffer zone so that be, will be implemented next year that's great news um mm. i don't know if you heard the interview i did with emily pine um on the podcast but it was something that she spoke about about the challenge of you know having experienced pregnancy loss the ch- and and you know infertility in her family that the challenge of walking up to Hollis Street and walking mm, by those people, those people. It was was incredibly difficult. And I know there have got to be people, women listening and countless people who have had to access services for any number of reasons who have to encounter those people. Mm. Like people who are in, you people know... People who are having muscarriages. Exactly. And, people yeah. whose hearts are broken. Mm-hmm. And people who have fatal fetal abnormalities. Mm-hmm. And and women who are just accessing abortion. abortion. Yeah. Like, you know, it, it, I, I, I'm, that's a, a really good piece of news. Mm-hmm. Um, now... Now, maybe Stephen Donnelly and his broken heart will will take action on this. Fingers crossed. Um, okay, I promised last week we'd have some good news. And we've mm-hmm. got two good stories to talk about this week. And the first, now, I won't lie. I'm tr- I have tried... <laughs> to get my head around this stuff but I am not a science gal oh me either but so NASA- this is gonna be great <laughs> NASA has released incredible imagery of galaxies from outer space via a new satellite yoke basically a 10 billion dollar space telescope which sounds like something I just made up but that's that's real so they released and I'm sure everyone saw it because it was on everyone's Instagram stories you're so smart so <laughs> <laughs> so yeah they release these images of what is called a stellar nursery and they're two pictures and they were presented on tuesday to mark the this new lab that's opening um so they show stars it's like a number of galaxies it's the most detailed picture that we have ever seen of space it's amazing like it is when you amazing. look at it have you seen the meme where it shows you the picture of space and then the picture of someone on cctv no. <laughs> and they're like why can this photo be so good and this one be so terrible yeah um yeah so it uh lo- it'll give us the ability not us but give us the ability to look deeper into the universe uh 
detect events occurring further back in time more than 13.5 billion years ago yeah see that's where I get confused I can't like (laughs) I was I read I read it over and over and over again I watched the scientists be excited I'm delighted for them I I I tried really hard but I just can't it's the whole space time continuum thing you know life so far over my head yeah I'm just not I'm sorry dude like there's probably scientists listening to this being like listen to those two idiots I know I'm sorry it's just a but we couldn't ignore it it's a really good picture (laughs) I mean it is beautiful beautiful and they did make me think, wow. And technically you're in that picture. The majesty of the universe. Yeah. But am I in that picture yeah, or is that Earth, picture no, from 13.5 million years ago? No, they're not taking a picture of 13.5 million years ago, billion years ago, but they, they can detect events that happened 13.5 billion years ago. Because of the picture? Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm never going to get there. I know. Look, guys, sorry. We've probably failed you on this, but we had to acknowledge it. Um, Okay, now it's something more in our wheelhouse. A pregnant woman in Texas is fighting a ticket she got for driving in a carpool lane in the context of Roe v. Wade. This is sort of funny and sort of depressing at the same time. So this lady in Texas, um, for anyone who's driven in America, they have these lanes. It's to deal with traffic and that you have to have more than one person in the car with you if you want to drive on this in yeah. this lane this lady uh brandy of course she's called brandy she is 34 weeks pregnant and she was stopped by the police and the policeman said you can't drive in this lane because there's no one else in the car with you and she said well there is because i'm 34 weeks pre- pregnant and in light of everything else that's going on in america right now this is this is a baby this yeah. use have decided the <laughs> government has decided this is a baby so um, she is now going to fight. It would be a very small fine that she would get. But she said, nah, like, if you, basically, she, the way she put it is that the Supreme Court can't have it both ways. Yeah. It's either a person or it's not. Yeah. She made a really good point. She said, if we're talking about a fetus being a person, there's a lot of other rights that attach to a person that could be litigated in the courts. Does it qualify for citizenship, tax deduction, child support? She made the point that this will all now be litigated mm. in the court. She said that the policeman kind of brushed her off and was like, listen, if you fight it, if you fight this, they're just going to drop it. And she was like, well, I have now waste my time to go to court and sort this. But she does make a broader point that if that's what you've decided, if you're deciding that life begins at conception, then that's a person for all intents and purposes. And she is going to drive in the people lane. I love someone who wants to make a point, really committing to <laughs> really, making that point. Really aggressively. I will never not love that. She is also now getting like loads and loads of horrible abuse online. Of course she is, of course yeah. She is. She's a woman on the internet. And I will say, she actually didn't intentionally go in that carpool lane. She was yeah. trying to, she got a bit like kind of bamboozled mm-hmm. on the motorway and ended up in the lane by mistake. So yeah. it's not that she wasn't but even is, setting out to do anything wrong in the first it, place. It is a wider point though, that yeah. this is the way America is going. And it's, and... If 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 you have decided that life begins at conception, then are we going to ask fellas to pay child support during well, the pregnancy? Because if you have to feed the baby, do you have to keep yeah. yourself alive to feed the baby. Are you yeah. going to make them pay for food? Because yeah. that's a that's their living thing now. Yeah. So yeah. Well, if they care about these children, air quotes, in the way that they suggest that they do, then surely they should be providing for them mm. financially. 
uh, the government perhaps should mm. be providing for them financially from conception. Yeah, there's a lot to discuss. Yeah, the sarcasm dropping from our voices. Eva <laughs> Moore, <laughs> soon to be political correspondent at the Times. Thank you so much. Thank you. Now, my guest for this week's interview is a woman who saw a problem and wants to solve it so that other women don't have to have the same experience that she had. I am endlessly impressed by women like her, by people like her who have a bad experience and decide that they don't want anyone else to have the same experience. So I was delighted that she agreed to share her experience with us today. It's Erica Tierney. Erica, um, I first came to hear of you when I learned about the Irish Cancer Society's campaign regarding maternity leave, um, but maybe introduce yourself for people who aren't familiar with that and who don't know you at all. Sure, absolutely. Yeah, uh, My name is Erica Tierney. Um, I'm 36. I'm a dub originally, but kind of living in Salins and Kildare right now uh, with a little bit of travel. Um, I'm a scientist by background, mm. um, so degree, PhD in kind of biology, organ regeneration, um, and now I work for a pharmaceutical company. Okay, wow. Um, organ regeneration, so that's so casually. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds really cool, but really you're messing around with sol- cells and a lot of fluids in the lab. I mean, um, again, that sounds very <laughs> impressive to me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and you know what? It kind of is like a past life thing. I haven't done that work since about... 2016 so mm-hmm. I've been mucking around in a pharmaceutical company since then and um, obviously I've been not working since the end of 2019 yeah um, but I will be getting back into that soon hopefully the end of summer. So let's talk about what happened yeah. at the end of 2019. So September 2019 uh, gearing up to have our first little baby Rosha um, in and around 28 weeks pregnant I would have discovered a lump literally at that backwards turtle stage of pregnancy where <laughs> I was just brushing off my I ended up brushing off myself getting up off the couch and I was like "Ooh, what the hell is that um, it must have been quite big then was it it was so it was a five centimeter tumor um wow. and it was quite prominent so I could feel it really well under my skin um yeah. The best way I can describe it is that it was like a jagged edged little stone. It was wow. really irregular um, and it just felt absolutely rock hard. And it was on, um, on your chest kind it was, of? Yeah, so it was um, on the breast near the, the nipple area on the top side. Um, so I have a sister who's a midwife. So right away I was like, hey, Avine, so I found this thing. And she was immediately trying to put my mind at ease. Mm. She was like, look, there's so many changes to the yeah. breast during pregnancy. It's probably fibrous tissue. Like, really don't worry, but go to the GP. Yeah. So I went to the GP. And how were you feeling? I suppose it's hard, though, because you're pregnant. You're probably tired anyway. Yeah. Like, but were you feeling sick? Um, I was really tired, so I yeah. had quite bad hyperemesis when I was pregnant oh God, as well. Yeah. That's chronic sickness. Yeah. yeah, so I had days where I was getting sick 20 times a day. Okay, um, so you couldn't even have no. known if you weren't feeling well in no. another capacity. Yeah. Exactly, I was just exhausted anyway. So mm. when I went to the GP, that was one of her, her key questions. She was like, have you lost weight? Do you feel really tired? And I was like, well, I'm very heavily pregnant, so I haven't really lost any weight. And I am really tired as well, you know, with all the hyperemesis going mm. on. Um, so I remember that day when she did the the physical examination, she left the room to talk to a colleague. Mm. So that was kind of the first alarm bell. I was like, hmm, she wants to confer with somebody. Mm. Maybe this isn't going to be so good. I know. I know that feeling. Yeah. yeah. And, and it's that stuff that like just is like a trigger in your head. My one was the day that I went, I had been seeing a consultant every week. Okay. For like three months because they couldn't figure out what was wrong with me. And the last day I went 
the doctor who, who was on the consultant's team who I'd seen loads. Like I, you know, yeah. she'd given me her phone number. Like, we, you know, we were very familiar with each other. And when she walked through the waiting room, she didn't make eye contact with me. Oh. And I was like, oh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> something bad is about to happen. Yeah. And yeah. I had that as well. The day I got the diagnosis in Beaumont, Yeah, the consultant brought a nurse in with him. Mm. And I was like, oh, here we go. Yeah. He's bringing in someone for emotional support. Mm. Um, it's going to be tough and I knew instantly at that point that it was going to be pretty bad news yeah and were you on your own no I was with my husband okay Um, so yeah so I went through the rapid screening service so within two weeks they had done pathology everything bloods um, so I was diagnosed two weeks later, right. um, and I would have been 30 weeks pregnant at that stage. Okay. Um, so that was absolutely crazy. My husband, Shane will hate me for saying this, but he was in such shock that he actually fainted oh, no. when we were in the room getting the bad news. We laugh at it now because yeah. it was just one of those crazy, crazy things. But it's totally understandable. Yeah. I mean, that's so yeah. much to think about. Where did your mind go first? Um, I guess I, I kind of describe myself as a really logical, practical person. Sure. So I was sitting there like, right, what are we doing? What's the next plan? Yeah. Uh, but it kind of snowballed. So when I when they first said the words, I, my head just immediately went to, oh, this is going to be a little lumpectomy. Yeah. And it's fine. But they were very quick to say it's pretty aggressive. It's pretty advanced. We need to act really quickly here. We don't have a lot of time to yeah. kind of decide what the treatment plan is. Um, so, so there was immediate talk of having a mastectomy. Mm. Um, so literally about 10 days later, I had the breast removed Wow! while I think I would have been about 32 ish weeks pregnant at that stage. Um, yeah, so that was like, that was scary. Cause like, I was just worried about the baby. I was like, what does a general anesthetic do to a baby? Like yeah. I'm going to be out for quite a while here mm. having this surgery. Is she going to be okay? Who's monitoring her? Yeah. I think it was the first thing I said when I woke up, I was like, is the baby okay? Yeah. Um, and it was, it was quite hard going through the hospitals because it was very upsetting for all the medical professionals as well, mm. seeing me so heavily pregnant and then having to treat me. So they must have felt such a huge sense of responsibility. I can only imagine. Yeah. 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 It's also a huge thing. I mean, there's so many layers to that. And I know so many women have this experience, you know, of being pregnant and getting a diagnosis like that. Like I have counted my lucky stars so many times that I, you know, was in my pre-children life. I mean, yes. there are different complications that come with that but like you know I the only thing I had to worry about when I was sick was myself like that was it yes whereas you know you had to think about your baby but also that's not a long time to get your head around you know a a big change in your body like a mastectomy yes yeah and you know I was very much into breastfeeding I had been doing um lots of classes I mentioned my sister is a midwife so she was giving me lots of like private coaching do this don't do that etc so at first, I was gung-ho that I was going to try and breastfeed with one breast, um, and I was seeing a specialist to help me with that. But then because we later found out I only had such a short window after having the baby um, to having chemo, there was only three weeks there. Yeah. So you can't breastfeed when you have chemo. So yeah. then the medical advice turned into, look, again, your supply comes in, yeah. you're going to be stopping. So it yeah. just became inadvisable to do it but that's another Mm. loss oh that was so hard yeah that was really really hard um and I think you know as a first-time mother you have all these ideas in your head as it as how it's going to be but I just had to accept 
okay, this is what I have to do yeah. um, and started researching what was the best formula because I knew I couldn't do it. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I, I, like I had a, a complicated breastfeeding journey, but I, you know, for completely different reasons, I had to accept that it wasn't going to happen for me. And I I felt that loss. I still yeah. feel it now. Yeah. Yeah. I still feel like, you know, it was a loss for me and it was a loss for my son. And even though, of course, like mm-hmm. logically, you know, your baby is fed, your baby is fine. I mean, I have two healthy yes. sons. Yeah. You have a healthy daughter. You know, there's no issue there. It's still it still is a loss. Yeah, it's a loss. And I I felt like another kind of form of incapacitation as well, where I just couldn't provide something that I thought she really needed. Yeah. Um, That's really how I thought about it. Yeah. Mm. So as you said, after that surgery, how was that recovery and stuff? And then the, the end of your pregnancy? Yeah, the recovery was really hard. It was more difficult than I anticipated. And as time was going on, I was obviously getting more and more pregnant. So I had a lot of um, physiotherapy to do. Mm. Um, we, we knew before surgery that I the cancer had spread to the lymph nodes under my arm. So okay. I had, I think, about five tumours there as well. Um, so they all had to be removed too. So I, I ended up having really restricted movement in my arm because they removed the entire lymph node system under my arm. It's still numb to this day. It still puffs up every now and again wow. because yeah. there's no lymphatic system. Um I had like a lot of restricted movement, but I think I found a lot of strength in doing my physio three times a day because I was like, I need to hold my baby. Like I can't have this arm with like a lack of strength. So like, I I think I just found like a lot of motivation in each little thing. I was like, this is really hard, but I have to fix it by the time she comes. Yeah. yeah, so I just kind of threw myself into the wow. physio. Um, and I also had like loads and loads of medical appointments at that stage. Of course. You know, so I was like being seen by the the the, the team at the Coom, But then I'd also be like meeting my medical oncologist, meeting the breast surgeon, yeah. meeting the breast care nurse. Yeah, like one, yeah. Of, one of those things. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, early cancer diagnosis and late pregnancy, like, and one of those things is a lot of medical appointments. Yeah. So if you combine the two, yeah. Yeah. So pretty much every day, you know, was, was a medical appointment. It just was like, are we going to the happy place today or are we going to the sad place? Yeah. Um, that's just the best way I could describe it. Um, and then there was like, I was trying to be as prepared as, as possible. So I was going to Roaches to, to talk about shaving my head and like what wig I'd like yeah. and like buying turbans online yeah. um, and buying turbans for her too. So I have loads of photos where she's in a turban, I'm in a turban because <laughs> it just looks so cute on her. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, if I'm going to look like a baby, you are a baby. So come <laughs> along with me on this one. I love that. Yeah. 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 Like but we, we had a lot of fun as well. Like it was a really, really traumatic time, but kind of knocked a little bit of crack out of it too yeah. you know just it had to be done yeah I, I, I totally like I completely relate to that because and I think as Irish people we're very good at that like we yeah. find the humor you have to find the humor because like yeah. if you're not laughing you're crying like, exactly um, and at the end of the day I don't know about you but I, I was surprised by how quickly I just kind of settled into well this is just what it is and I just have to get on with it yeah. and you know sure that I remember the day after I was diagnosed getting up and crying on the toilet and just being like what mm. is this life yeah but like fairly quickly it was just like okay next thing next yeah. thing because what else can you do exactly I used to love a good cry in the shower I'd do that in the morning and, and then I'd be like okay now what are we doing <laughs> for the rest of the day <laughs> set myself up for the day yeah um but we really took it day by day like and I felt like that was our only choice yeah you know so even when we had Rosha 
we, we just had a plan for every single day, whether it was a chemo day, whether it was a rest day. I had days where I was in a lot of pain from the drugs I was on, where I literally couldn't get out of bed. Yeah. So it was like constantly just like, well, what are we going to be able to do on on that day that's coming? Yeah. Um, and you know what? In the end, when, when COVID knocked on the door, it was actually like a big favor. Yeah. Because I was exhausted. Yeah. Like I actually just needed all that or and or time. Um, and was that after Rosha was born? So yeah, before? so Rosha was born November 19 and then COVID happened that March. March. Yeah. So COVID actually did me a solid in that I was able to skip my last chemo session because okay. the drugs I was on affected your lungs. Um, and then I had radiation at the start of COVID. Uh, so I was in and out of the hospital every day for radiation. And mm. it was at that point in COVID where we didn't know a lot about it. Yeah. We weren't wearing masks. I was like petrified going in and out of the hospital. Yeah, because of course, if you had finished your chemotherapy, which obviously compromises your immune system. Exactly. I, I thought a lot about people like like us, uh, yes. people who were, you know, having chemo during COVID um, and how scary it must have been. Yeah, like I, I would come home and I would take all the clothes I had worn to the hospital and just put them in a, in a bin bag and then I'd leave them there for a couple of weeks like and then wash them so like we had all these like bin bags <laughs> in the hall and then I'd go and have a shower yeah. and I wouldn't like be in contact with Shane or Rosha until I felt clean yeah um so it was crazy and we also went from having lots of people in the house helping us to going into this little bubble with just Shane Rosha and I yeah um which was really hard so at that point Shane just had to take care of his leave from work I was gonna say yeah, yeah. how was he f- working that yeah I actually don't even know how he worked um, while I was sick even before that yeah. I just wouldn't have had the mental capacity so yeah. to this day I just think how did you do that yeah um so then he took about three months care of his leave Okay. Um, until I was kind of getting stronger and stronger and I could do most of the minding. Yeah. Um, and how did you feel when Rosha was born? Was it a relief that that at least... She was fine. Yeah. <laughs> it was such a relief. Um, I think my mom felt it most. I've never seen her look as worried. And then just the, the weight that lifted off her shoulders when I was like, she's here, she's perfect, she's fine. Yeah. Um, because al- although my little brain was saying, look, there's going to be no effects on her. I found out later my pregnancy you still have like that tiny worry at the back of your head. Because you worry about your baby anyway. Exactly. Like even if there isn't any kind of additional things. So of course you did. Yeah, yeah. So that, yeah, that was like a huge joy that there she was and like how perfect she was. Yeah. So, so Rosha was born. You started your chemo shortly after Mm -hmm. that. Then you finished chemo around the time of COVID kicking off. Yeah. Did your radiation. Mm -hmm. And so when you finished all that, what kind of time of the year was that? So that was May 2020. May 2020. Um, so I had just come to the end of radiation and then I got a letter in the post from the Department of Social Welfare to say that my maternity leave was up next week. And so at that point, that was just such a trigger to me because all the way along, I kind of just felt like this isn't right. I mm. should not be on maternity leave right now because I physically can't do all of the things that you're supposed to do in maternity leave. Yeah. Um, I missed out on like a lot of bonding. Um, I missed out on breastfeeding. I literally physically wasn't there a lot of the time because I was in hospital or I was in bed. So when I got that... Yeah, letter, because let's be clear, like when yeah. you're having chemo, it affects everyone differently. But yeah. like not only do you spend a lot of time in hospital actually getting the chemo, yeah. but you're also tired and mm-hmm. sometimes sick. And, yeah. you know, you're certainly not present in your life in the way that you would be at another time. 
Exactly, exactly. It's like, it's really hard. I, the best way I can describe it is just trying to keep my head above water. Yeah. Like for me to be okay. But then I was also like, I want to spend as much time as possible holding her, doing all those things, you know, because I was diagnosed in the September. She came in the November and I didn't find out until Christmas Eve that it was stage three and not stage four. Right. Because there's a lot of scans they can't right. do when you're pregnant. So, you know, I was looking at her going, I really hope I'm going to be here for a very yeah. long time. So, like, the fact that I just had to be on my maternity leave when I should have been on illness leave, it just bugged me so much. I can't so, even explain how much it annoyed me. That's So that's as it stands at the moment. Mm-hmm. If you're sick on your maternity leave, it's still your maternity leave. Still maternity your... leave supersedes sick leave. Absolutely. It trumps all. Yes. Um, so then when your maternity leave is up... You, that it's gone like you it's never get gone. that back no so and, and the thing that really irks me as well is that if Rosha was the one that was sick and hospitalized I could have deferred my maternity leave if my husband Shane was sick he could defer his paternity leave but we have no mechanism in place for when the woman is sick um, that's wild isn't it um so if Rosha was sick on the uh-huh. basis that she's sick you're not having that time that that your that maternity leave is kind of afforded for yeah you know so okay totally reasonable defer it mm-hmm. you get an extension or you get it deferred yeah but that's there's nothing if you're the mother and you're nothing sick nothing as the mother of the child it's just kind of typical isn't it yeah and you know what I've thought about this a lot I really think it's an oversight I don't think there's anyone sitting in the doll with malicious yeah. intent here so the the maternity leave act um was last revised in Ireland in 2004 mm-hmm. the paternity leave act was revised in 2016 mm. so I just feel like no one has actually looked at it in detail since then yeah uh, we've had a few amendments so if you have a premature baby you can get it extended that came in in 2017 I remember that yeah 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 and we got extra leave for anyone who had a baby during COVID so it's just at that point now where we just have to really highlight this issue Um, we're lobbying politicians to get cross-party support on it mm-hmm. I don't think there's anybody in this land who would say, oh, sorry, I don't think you need that. There's going to be no opposition. Yeah. So it's just a matter of highlighting it, doing a lot of advocacy and really pushing for the change. Yes. Um, It really bothers me that there's still one woman a week going through this. Yeah. Um, That's just too much. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, you can't do a lot for people when they have a cancer diagnosis. You have to get through the treatment, you know. Um, we can give a lot of supports in other ways, but this is just something that would mean a lot. Mm. I've met a lot of other women along the way who've had the same thing happen. Um, and we all feel so strongly about this part. Yeah. And it's easily fixed. Exactly. Exactly. It's just a tiny amendment to legislation. Yeah. And boom, there we go. Well, hopefully they're listening and hopefully we'll see that change soon. Yeah. Can I ask, like, how are you now? I'm so much better now. Um, I thought I would be long finished with this journey. I still have one more surgery to go for the the reconstruction side. So I have that next week. Okay. And then I'm looking forward to just, you know, being done and dusted and getting back to work and, and normality. Yeah, yeah, it's or pretty the new great. normal. <laughs> like <laughs> yeah. I, I say to, you know, whenever uh, f- someone gets diagnosed and it happens in all of our lives, you know, we all know the statistics. It's cancer is extremely common. Mm-hmm. Um and I always say like, you know, I honestly don't think about my cancer very often at all anymore. Yeah. I yeah. really don't. That's really good to hear as well, you know, cuz the I find that as well like the further I get from it, like I can go for weeks now without thinking about mm-hmm. it whereas it used to be 
hourly. Constant. Yeah. 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 Well, Erica, thank you so, so much for chatting to me. It's great to meet you. And I think the campaign is fantastic. And well done you for speaking up and speaking out. And I'm so glad that you're doing so well. Thanks, Louise. Thanks for having me. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Between Khloe Kardashian's surrogacy news and Jen Shah's guilty plea, there was a lot to get into in the world of entertainment this week. So thankfully, writer and podcaster Esther Moore Donahue was up for catching us up. Esther Omar Donahue, it is wonderful to have you back with us this week. Um, I, I sent you an, an emergency SOS. I said, I need someone with the housewives knowledge this week because, of course, there was a lot of movements in that department. Um, but... First, we have to address the Khloe Kardashian surrogacy, which I have only seen three people this morning and all of them have said to me, Khloe Kardashian's having another baby by surrogacy with Tristan Thompson. Why is she doing that? But of course, it's not that she's having another baby in a romantic way with Tristan Thompson, is it? No, well, let's let's refresh the memory for a second. So they started dating in 2016. A lot has happened. It's now 2022. They've there's a lot's gone on in this in this dynamic. The first child in 2018, 2019 reports came out that he cheated with her sister Kylie's best friend Jordan. They split for a time. They got back together. They worked on the relationship. We saw some of it documented. It came out that Tristan had yet cheated again with another woman, fathered a child when they were together. We saw it happen in real time. We were like. She said, I'm humiliated, da, 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 et cetera, et cetera. But it emerges yesterday, two days ago, that in fact, they are having a second child via surrogate that was conceived uh, a month before her, his son was born, the son that he had with another woman. Can you keep up with this? Yeah. And so the sibling could be here, the new sibling between Chloe and Tristan could be here later this month or next month. So another baby is on the way. 
they are going to be co-parenting, but they're not back together. Yeah. And so this baby was conceived in November and they broke up in December because that's when all the stuff came out about Tristan t- cheating again. And by the way, let's not forget that when Chloe was having True, their first daughter, um, literally the date like she went into labor just after finding out that he cheated on her for the first time like he this man is a scum bag but uh, the conversations I've been having with people people are just like absolutely shocked how why would she do this blah 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 blah. but they were back together at the time that it was conceived and also like they talked about doing this before they were back together because it was all on not the most recent series of the Kardashians the one that was on Disney plus but the last series of keeping up with the Kardashians it was all on there and they weren't together but they were exploring these options because Chloe wanted a sibling for true and she was told she would be high risk um, if she were to carry the baby herself so they were looking at this kind of option long ago a few months ago Tristan and I made embryos and during that time I was also told that I would not be smart if I carried my second pregnancy, I would be high risk, and to explore surrogacy options. So Tristan and I have decided that's what we're going to do. I have a surrogate agent who is, you know, sort of filtering through who they think might be the best fit for me and my family. It is a, a big commitment and you want to find the right fit, but we got this. We got, got this. this. It's a new chapter. We'll get through this together. We're Thank team. You. Thank you. She has got to have been fuming when this happened in December because of this. Mm -hmm. Because I think if we go back to the latest series, the Kardashians, they did sort of allude to, you know, it's more serious. There's, you know, there's more here, but we didn't even think. But I guess this is what they all knew. They're like, what? Because they had been like working on it and not just like working between the two of them. They kind of brought different parties in and they're now we know they're trying to conceive a child. So and now it's all out and you know, they've got to go through it, it through it all again. I mean, timing is just not his his forte. And I just, you know, as they kind of, hopefully they, they seem to kind of co-parent well together. I mean, I don't know, we're not, we're not in the room, but um, this is what's happening and the Kardashians just keep giving and it's going to be all, you know, next season, which is launching in September. So we can, we don't really have that, you know, long to wait until we kind of see it happen. Oh, I can't wait. I can't yeah. wait. And they've already released a little clip. So we know that Pete Davidson's going to be in it, which I'm very much looking forward to. These Kardashians, like every time you think you're out, they pull you back in. Do you know what I mean? I mean, that's it. I mean, could I mine my own personal life with this with this explosive dynamic storylines? No, <laughs> I just absolutely couldn't. No, it's just something going on. They've got big lives, they've got big personalities. And yeah, just when we're, we think we're out, they pull us back in and... Yeah. You know, let them sell their, their skin creams and their underwear and we support them. And we support Chloe. We support Chloe. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, okay, so I mentioned at the top that we had some huge Housewives news this week. And it's funny, like I, I made my husband sit and listen to me as I explained this drama to him because it is such huge news. So even if you're not a Housewives person, you need to listen to this. Esther, tell us the story of Jen Shah. I'm going to tell you the story about a little girl called Jen Shaw. Uh, okay, so Jen Shaw. Jen Shaw. I'm trying to Irish fire. Jen Shaw. She's a different person. And we talked, there's a whole other episode we're going to do about Jen Shaw. But about Jen Shaw. Jennifer moment. Shaw. She's from Kilmacudden. Uh, she's from Troom. And is that Anyway, never mind. Who knows? Jen Shaw. She's a cast member of the Real Housewives of Salt Lake City. Season, it's a relatively, is it the newest franchise? The latest franchise? Anyway, uh, it's a new franchise. Yeah, well, Dubai is probably the latest, but a very Dubai, recent one. Yeah. Correct. 
correct. Uh, so it's only new. It's only born two seasons in. Um, they've already wrapped season three. Um, so uh, during, again, this is kind of like a Kardashians happening in real time. She was arrested on March 30th, 2021 in Salt Lake City for her alleged involvement in a national telemarketing fraud scheme. And she was charged with conspiracy to commit wire fraud in connection with telemarketing and conspiracy to commit money laundering. Now, the FBI, we, we saw during one of the episodes, the girls were going on their road trip in a people carrier. And we see Jen getting a phone call, you know, during the episode going, what? The house is on fire? What, I better go right now? Oh, no. Oh, no. She legs it. Uh, moments later, we see the FBI swoop in, kind of enter the bus. We're looking for da 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 And she's legged it. And the, all the women were like, what's going on? And, you know, they didn't want to commit to, you know, supporting her necessarily or whatever. But it was all happening in real time. And she's been defiantly protesting her innocence. Uh, yeah, she, she got she got arrested. They found her. They arrested her. They, oh, they found, so they found her. Yeah, they got her. They yeah. found her. She was charged, but she was released on one million dollar um, bond. And uh, so she was out living her life, and she was being defined. She was on the last reunion. She wore purple feathers. Yeah, she like she black. filmed the, the whole series. Like she was the victim. Like you know, this is all untrue. Like I never did anything wrong. She said that about a hundred times, crying on camera. But but at the same time, like you know, holding parties and like yeah, wearing feathers to a reunion. Like you really, I bought it. I actually bought it. I was like, yeah. I don't think she did yeah. this because if you did it like because the, the accusation was that she had basically she had this like you know lead generating business and the accusation I think was that she was selling intentionally kind of selling the information of vulnerable people older and vulnerable people so that they could be taken advantage of via kind of sales schemes and stuff on the phone um and I was like no person who had done that would be filming this series and like acting like everything's normal and protesting innocence on like you know an international television program but then this week. But then this week, I know she leaned into it. I'm sure she had merch created and everything. She was leaning in and then it was cut to immediately from 2012 to March 2021 in the Southern District of New York and elsewhere. I agreed with others to commit wire fraud. I did this by knowingly providing customer names to people who are marketing business services that had a little or no value. So she just clear, she states it in no uncertain terms. She knew what she was doing. Uh, she was making ill-gotten gains and she she pled she guilty completely pled guilty um and so she faces a potential 30 years in prison i'm sure she'll negotiate down she's maybe looking at 14 years in prison but she has to pay 9.5 million dollars in restitution as well as 6.5 million dollars to the federal government and people are saying that she had one of like on on the real housewives she had her shaw squad and the help to look amazing. Oh, she lived um, like really excessively, like you know. And they and these women are not like struggling. They're not looking down the back of the couch for coins, you know, to no. you know, milk bill. They they're all eluded. Yeah. Um. But she was really extravagant. I mean, again, but then you're kind of used to it watching these these yeah. shows. They're all top, and they do have extra glam, and their looks are ridiculous, and or well, not ridiculous, but they're not they're not going to walk and wear them into little. But you could if you want, because that's your choice. But um. You kind of just you kind of just accept like that they're just living this other world. It's a bit of performance, but she was making huge money. She was ripping people off, and and now she's facing the real you know very real consequences. consequences and, yeah, yeah. It's wild um, though I, because like they filmed the third series, so like how how are they gonna? 
they filmed the third series and you know I just saw that they it was all kind of wrapped up before they this happened and they had no cameras in the court of following her because she was still like I'm an innocent baby look at me go in my Louis Vuitton backpack or whatever she was still you know selling this line but I bet they're you know they're going to go back probably and do new confessionals um I mean they'd have to because you know they're kind of they're missing out because people want to see that so I guess they'll go back to the other the other housewives and yeah they have now perhaps and do some some extra inserts but it is all wrapped yeah because they can't I mean they can't just edit together a series where we see an entire series of Jen acting normal and like she's totally innocent and the women kind of responding to her in that context when we know that she isn't it's going to be really interesting to see how they get around this very interesting indeed Yes, yes, yes. Because, I mean, Jen was kind of like, you know, you know, chastising some of the women like for not supporting her. And so yeah. she was lying. She was lying. She was lying the whole time. It's wild. Like I couldn't, I would be like, my anxiety levels would be off the charts. Like if I, you know, if I tell like a tiny lie, I'm like, oh my God, everybody's going to find out. Like I'm lying awake in my bed at night. Like, you know, I don't know how these people managed to do it. It's wild. She threw glitter at it and she put extra Honest feathers God. on top and she's like, here, yeah. Anyway, <sighs> so, and more drama. Again, the housewives just keep giving. The franchise continues. Bravo keeps making millions of dollars. Yeah, and, and I keep watching. Um, okay, <laughs> let's uh, quickly talk about the Emmys because the nominations came out this week. And uh, once again, I was kind of struck by the fact that TV really is the big business these days, isn't it? I mean, you, when you look at the level of talent, like, you know, the, the A-list actors who are nominated for Emmys via their performances and television you really see that tv is in its its kind of peak era absolutely and uh, well the 74th primetime emmy awards will take place in september in los angeles california breaking news i won't be there unfortunately we couldn't <laughs> we couldn't come to a deal we couldn't broker a deal but we'll see there is still time and <laughs> uh, off the table hbo and hbo max have come out strong um yeah and it's they're the I mean, I've watched, like, you know, sometimes you think you don't recognize, maybe you go to a, a festival, you don't recognize some of the bands in the lineup. We're like, I know all of these these shows. I've watched them all. I've enjoyed them all. For HBO, Succession was the big, uh, the big draw. It got 25 nominations. It's previously won nine Emmys. It got a nomination for Best Drama Series and acting nominations for, their, for the stars, Brian Cox, Jeremy Strong, Strong Sarah Snook, um, uh, Kieran Culkin. Uh, and production started on season four. So there's yes, more of that ahead. Cannot wait. More I know, I can't wait. Uh, White Lotus got 20 nominations, another HBO um, production, which, yeah, I mean, it's incredible. Like, they're, they're really winning big. Um, then there was also uh, Netflix Korean um, show Squid Game became the first ever drama series nominee that isn't in the English language, which is quite incredible. Mm. It, it picked up 14 nominations, including uh, for the, the the stars. Ozark also picked up 13. Um, so, you know. Euphoria, uh, 16. Zendaya is amazing. Zendaya is nominated for four Emmys because she's nominated for Best Lead Actress. She's nominated for two songs and she's nominated uh, in the producing category. Category, and she's the youngest ever producing nominee in Emmy's history. She's the youngest ever. Um, yeah, that's it, correct. And well, yeah, which is phenomenal. I mean, she's got good management. She's, yeah, huge talent. So, And I think she so- makes good decisions. Like, you know, she's smart, obviously. Yeah, she's re- uh, yeah, she's she's really smart. I mean, she does less is more. There is kind of a mystique, uh, you know, around her. Mm. I mean, it's the one name. She's really, she's had the opportunity to curate this incredible career and to have 
and it, I mean, that's where you're making, you know, when you're making, you're in production, you're making the decisions and like, that's where the, the real power is because you can be just an actor for hire, but she's, you know, looking at it from a business point of view as well. So yeah. um, also another a euphoria um, cast member, Sydney Sweeney got nominated, but for White Lotus. So uh, that was, yeah. So, I mean, yeah. Uh, there is, there, it is kind of like, it's like a golden age for TV. There is so much, there's so much, um, so much out there for us to watch and enter and, and enjoy. Anne Hathaway and Jared Leto though, didn't get, didn't get any nominations for We Crash, which I thought was, I mean, I thought it was enjoyable. Did you watch it? Uh, no, I didn't actually. Well, sorry. No okay. Much. I didn't have time. <laughs> you didn't have time. I know there's so, there's so much, uh, there's so much going on out there. And um, so the next thing is going to be, who's going to be the host for next year. Nothing to be confirmed. Uh, apparently they've reached out to you know Chris Rock. I mean, I'm sure everyone's reached out for him. They want they want some some uh, Chris Rock energy um, at the award ceremony. Jimmy Fallon, Seth Meyers, but um, yeah, that's yeah, all sure decided. We'll but yeah. We'll see. We'll see. Um, quickly, Florence Pugh um, posted some photographs of herself this week on her Instagram. She wore a dress for, I believe it was the Valentino Couture show uh, that was kind of sheer on top. So her boobies were out on display somewhat. And um, she ma- wrote an interesting Instagram post about it and the response to it. Yeah, the uh, Louise sent me the headline, Florence Florence Pugh on boobs. And I was like, that sounds very dramatic. Florence Pugh <laughs> on boobs. Yeah, uh, she was, people are getting in a, in a tizzy over Florence Pugh's tits and women's tits generally. If it's not the breast, it's the reproductive rights. Am I right? <laughs> um, and they got themselves in a fizz. Over They're getting on my tits. I'll tell you that much. Hey, Thank you. <laughs> this episode is sponsored by the word tits. We love it. We love to see it. So she's at Valentino Ocator in Rome last Friday. She wore a gorgeous pink dress, sheer material. You could see her nipples. People had opinions, which may shock and surprise some of you. As you said, she posted a pic of her in the dress with a long caption. And we love a, we love a long caption. Uh, and she said she kind of she skewed it put kind of put it to men uh, you know observing and making comments she's what's been interesting to watch and witness is just how easy it is for men to totally destroy a woman's body publicly proudly for everyone to see you do it with your job titles and work emails in your bio which is so odd mm-hmm. i i don't know yeah so i mean it's like these are not a, anonymous people it just doesn't seem the smartest thing to do um and what a lame thing to comment on like just don't say anything it's so it's so strange uh so many of you wanted to aggressively let me know how disappointed you were by my tiny tits or how I should be embarrassed for being so flat chested. But you know, yeah, you can't win. Your boobs too big, boobs too small. Why'd you get fake boobs? Except, you know, the people have opinions, opinions. She says, I've lived in my body for a long time. I'm fully aware of my breast size and I'm not scared of it. Um, and yeah, so she said, people are getting, you know, going nuts uh, over her revealing a bit of, not even revealing a bit of skin. She's covered up. She says, all because of two cute little nipples. And then she said, hashtag free the nipples. So yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a long, like, it's a long caption, but it's a good point. She's basically like, you know, it's completely insane the way that women's bodies are discussed, one. And number two, that, like, this this part of the body is so, you know, weirdly kind of sexualized and, like, you know, deemed to be something that needs to be hidden all the time. And, like, as she said, she posted a few photos, and the last photo is her with her fingers over the nipply bits. And she says, the last slide is for those who feel more comfortable with that inch of darker skin cover. And I think that's 
like that statement is just so it like you're literally talking about an inch of skin like you know because you can show the whole boo but it's just the nipple like it's so arbitrary and ridiculous um but having said that I personally wouldn't be comfortable in that dress and I would feel weird about it and kind of you know maybe shame about I think lots of us have shame about our own breasts and our where our nipples sit and how our breasts sit and blah, blah, blah. So it's great to see someone like Florence kind of owning her body and saying, look, you can say whatever you want, but I'm not going to take it on board. Um, yeah, exactly. I mean, I, exactly, I wouldn't be popping on a, a sheer top and swanning around with any, any bra. That is my choice. But I do not care. It does not move me in any way when I see, you know, someone else's nipples. And I think it is so strange I'm, when you see an I'll be honest. I'm delighted to see people's nipples. <laughs> I'm like, when I say Frida, you say Frida. (laughs) Frida. Yes, exactly. Thank you, Louise. Yeah, I don't care. But it is odd when you see, you know, on Instagram, you'll see a a male torso or a a, a torso that doesn't have, you know, large breast, a lot lot of breast tissue. And then you'll see, you know, maybe a, a woman's body. And then there's two little like suns or stars over the nipple part of it. So strange. And so pointless. Is it the fleshy part of the breast that upsets you? I don't don't know. know. But it all just contributes to this wild culture of shame and kind of secrecy. And, you know, when the reality is, I was in in Barcelona recently. Everybody knows I never stop going on about my travels. Um, But I was in (laughs) Barcelona recently. I was on the beach with my friends. And um, the beach we were on was... I don't know, was it officially a nude beach? But there were lots of people in various states of undress and there were lot, most women were topless. Some women were completely naked. Some men were completely naked. And like at first you're kind of like, what are we doing here? But the thing is, you sit there for a couple of hours and then it becomes completely normal and you're unfazed. And like, you know, my friend and I had a conversation about it. She said, do you think if we'd grown up in a culture like this, we would have less body hangups. And I was like, yeah, I think so. Because if we saw different types of bodies, if we saw the reality of how, you know, the full spectrum of bodies look from tit to dick, <laughs> like we would all be so much more comfortable with it all. But, you know, instead we live in this weird, bizarre land culture where it's like, you know, these kind of shamed private parts and of course they're intimate parts of our body and we all should have control over who sees them and who touches them and all the rest but you know the level of of kind of you know tape we wrap ourselves up in 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 maintaining these levels of secrecy and privacy I don't know it's sometimes I think it's too much I don't know if that made sense I feel like I went on a a long and rambling rant there no 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 no, but I think we come we yeah I think it's like we save our bodies I mean not that you can do whatever you can show it off you can wrap it up in you know cling film if you want do whatever you want but we save our bodies until they're the right way whatever that is and that changes and it's like we could just be out here living our lives and just you know yeah, and I, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I, I was away recently. I was in, you know, my swimsuit, prancing around. And now I'm down here in uh, Mayo. And I'm, like, kind of used to it. Like, just, so I'm, like, I just jumped into the sea, whereas I probably would have thought about it a bit more before. Yeah. But I'm, you don't care. Yeah, well, Esther, so. like, I mean, since we started recording this podcast in the nude, like, it's definitely done <laughs> wonders for me and uh, and my comfort levels. How about you? Yeah, I just love being free. I feel the breeze. My, my, my <laughs> I just I forgot I forgot that we record this in the news. You're yeah. right. You, you see, that's how comfortable we are with it that we we don't yeah. even think about it anymore. Yeah. <laughs> well, I Esther, I no, never apologize. Thank you so so much, and I really appreciate you taking the time when you're on hol- your holidays in Mayo. Um, I hope you have a lovely one, and we will talk to you soon. I'll talk to you soon. Thank you, Louise.
Now it's just about time for me to go, but before I do, I do have a few recommendations for you. Starting with um, Orla Garland. I went to see Orla play in Whelan's this week. It was brilliant. She is fantastic. And if you're not familiar with her, I just thought I would mention her because she released an excellent, excellent album. I think it was was it this year or last year? Anyway, it's called Woman on the Internet. It's such good, fun pop music. Um, she is an amazing songwriter, like really brilliant, brilliant performer. She is on the way up. And if you want to get on board early, I would get on board now because I don't think I'll be seeing her in Whelan's again anytime soon. And um, I think she'll be on to much bigger venues. And um, she's an Irish artist based in London. And I, I just, we should all support her because she is such an incredible talent. Um, then, then I wanted to recommend Mother of Pod. Now, I was thinking about, I was listening to Mother of Pod this morning, laughing my face off. And I was thinking, oh, I don't think I've recommended it specifically on this podcast. But if you have listened to every episode or whatever, you'll have heard me interview Sophie White, who's one of the co-hosts of Mother of Pod herself and Jenna Dwyer host this podcast. They are two of my very, very good friends. So obviously I am a little bit biased, but actually in a way, I think being friends with someone and you know their podcast it can almost work against you because you know them so well but I I honestly think like objectively this is a really excellent podcast it's basically the two gals they catch up every week ostensibly it's a parenting podcast and they do talk about parenting and they talk about you you know in very real terms like there's no you know every day is a blessing sunshine lollipops kind of chat on this parenting podcast so if that's what you're looking for uh, definitely go elsewhere and um, it's more about the reality um the situations you find yourself in the the terrible things your children say to you sometimes the days that you wish you could just be anywhere else and um, all that kind of crack but also they just I mean honestly at this stage they talk so much about snacks that it could be just a snack podcast but whatever they're talking about it is always clever and considered and always always funny I cannot recommend it to you enough it's a subscription podcast so it'll cost you four euro a month but it's you know it's four euro a month well well spent as far as I'm concerned they do two episodes a week a main episode which is usually about an hour and then a and I'm air quoting here mini episode which is supposed to be shorter, but often ends up being an hour as well. Um, and they they take kind of contributions from listeners and they discuss different topics. And it's just a brilliant, it's a brilliant podcast, genuinely. So if you want to subscribe, I'll put a link in the show notes so that you can um, link and, and subscribe and enjoy. Um, I heartily recommend it. Um, if you're looking for some candy floss for your brain, The Summer I Turned Pretty on Amazon Prime is exactly that. It is based on, I think, a young adult novel, the same author as, oh God, To All the Boys I've Loved Before. To All the Boys I've Loved? To All the, you know that film. You know the one I mean, the bit, the one that was huge on Netflix. Anyway, it's about this girl, Isabel Belly, um, and she ends up in a love triangle basically with two brothers. But um, it's, it's just, it's, it's, the music is good. It looks visually good. It's just like very, very easy to watch. If you just want to switch your brain off, I would recommend it. And then my final recommendation um, this week is something that I'm going to be doing tomorrow on Saturday. Well, actually, the mm. <laughs> it's not tomorrow. My final recommendation this week is something that I'm going to be doing on Saturday. I will be bringing my family to the Trans and Intersex Pride March, um, which is starting at the Garden of Remembrance at 2 p.m. in Dublin. And basically, Trans and Intersex Pride is 
able to march this year for the first time in a few years, obviously because of COVID. And honestly, I don't know if there's ever been a more important time uh, to kind of stand in solidarity with trans, non-binary, intersex people um, because obviously the culture has become really toxic and they are experiencing a lot of negativity. They are encouraging everyone to go. They want as many people as they can possibly get to kind of stand together and fight for bodily autonomy for trans and intersex people as well as, and this is in their words, as well as an end to the transphobic and homophobic attacks we've witnessed over the past few years. That's all they want. All they want is their bodily autonomy and a right to live safely. And you know, I think sometimes in the current way that, you know, trans people's very existence is being discussed, there's a lot of red herrings. There's a lot of people trying to suggest that trans people want to kind of take over the world or erase women's experiences and, you know, erase women's existence. And honestly, I have never met a trans person who is in any way inclined in that way. All they want is to be able to live a life safely as the person that they are. And I will always, always back anyone's right to exist in their truth. Always. You know, if you're not doing anyone any harm and all you want to do is live a peaceful life as yourself, I am there for you. And that means I am there for trans people. So I will be there at 2 p.m. marching from, as I said, the Garden of Remembrance. They'll be going to Marion Square. I'm bringing my kids. I want, you know, to see loads and loads of people there to support people who are so vulnerable and just at the receiving end of so much absolute trash at the moment. So I'd love to see loads of you there. Um, and if you do, don't be afraid to say hi. So yeah, there you go. That's it. That's all from me this week. I will be back with you next Friday with another edition of Catch Up. I hope you have a lovely one. And if that doesn't happen, I hope you just get through it. One foot in front of the other and um, everything passes eventually. Okay. Talk soon. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.